Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have the man, the myth, the legend, Jonesy, the comedian himself, on the pod today. Jonesy, how you doing, buddy? Hey, John. Thanks for having me. I wouldn't say I'm a myth No, you're not a myth. You're, you, you, you actually physically exist. I can see you on my, <laughs> on my computer. <laughs> it, and I'm a legend in my own mind, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you're a legend in my mind as well. Uh, how about you introduce yourself to the listeners? Oh, well, I'm, I'm Jonesy. I'm, I'm a comedian, actor, and podcaster from the East Coast. Uh, I, uh, I've been on such g- glorious television shows as The Letterman Show, which uh, you guys, you kids might not know who David Letterman was, uh, but he used to be on TV for a long <laughs> time, and he's kind of a comedy god. So just trying to, you guys should YouTube David Letterman. This guy really... Uh, is something so did letterman show did gotham unbreakable kimmy schmidt nurse jackie law and order svu did drunk history was uh on a lot of cool little shows some of them are comedy uh been doing stand-up comedy uh, for like 15 16 years as well that's kind of a passion of mine and uh, luckily i've been able to do that again uh, since uh los angeles has opened up a bit uh, and uh, lastly, I would uh, I would say I, I have a pretty successful podcast called Weird AF News, yeah. where I do weird news five days a week. We're uh, about to hit two million downloads and over a thousand episodes. That's fucking um, awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So um, I'm 35. To- I'm very familiar oh. of, of Mr. Letterman, but I appreciate you obviously thinking I'm younger than I am. But so thanks. It was more for your audience <laughs> than you. Uh, yeah, like you probably have some listeners that who, who the hell is. <laughs> Who the hell is David Letterman? They know him as the guy with the huge beard now, I think, probably. Yeah, they're like, the guy that looks like the Unabomber? Yeah. Now I got to explain who the Unabomber is. Shit. <laughs> how did uh, you start doing comedy? Um, I mean, like, how old were you when you started? Where'd you grow up? East Coast? I'm, I'm a Jersey boy. Uh, yeah, I started in uh, Massachusetts, which is where I grew up. And uh, at the time, I was playing music, um, singing in bands. Uh, I, I was kind of enjoyed entertaining. And uh, I'd always, always been in talent shows and whatnot. And I always thought I was somewhat funny. I always made my friends laugh anyways. And uh, then I, I had the, uh, you know, the fortunate, I don't know. These things are like, where, how do these things happen? You know, if it wasn't for this guy, I wouldn't have never done it. And then if I, if I didn't do that, then I wouldn't be here. And I wouldn't have moved away. And I wouldn't have done all the things I did. But my, I had this uh, roommate in college who was just, just kind of a weird guy. And he was trying stand-up comedy. I'm like, how the fuck do you try it? He's like, well, no, well, come with me. I'll show you. I go to this open mic. It's like anybody can sign up and do it. And it was it was like very eye-opening. Like, what? what? You can just... <laughs> just sign up and just try to make people laugh what the fuck is this and of course it's terrible everybody there is terrible and so that gave me some confidence you know and then i helped him with his jokes that night mm-hmm. you know because uh, of course he recorded his set you know and then I, we went back and i kind of helped him I, I had ideas anyways i was able to contribute and then i went with him again saw him try it out and again and i was like oh i see this is how you do it you try it you say some things then you bring it back to the laboratory try it again <laughs> Just kind of throwing out things that you think are funny in the world, and you hope you find some common ground with audiences. And you know, of course, that doesn't always happen um, because comedy is uh, subjective. But there, there is some common ground, and on you'll find with your funny ideas. And you just got to keep trying, trying, and getting up, getting in front of crowds as often as possible. So I had gotten a taste of it, and I thought, well, I can at least be as funny as these stupid assholes. And so. <laughs> You know, then I tried it and I, I kind of got the bug, you know, it, it got it's very thrilling and, it, and it, I kind of got addicted to it. And I got out of music and just started doing stand up and then went to it brought me to New York City, which is where 
where all um, comedians should go if you want to get good. Um, I would recommend. There's more stage time there. There's a lot more clubs and venues that do it there. You can get it. You can you can do you know easily two shows a night. Easily two shows a night. I was doing more than that. Um, you know for ten years, and yeah, that was it. And then um, you know it's opened up a lot of other doors like the podcast. You know that's a that's a gig I don't think I would have got if I wasn't a comedian. Mm-hmm. You know because they were looking for someone to create some funny content for their platform, and so I submitted my 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 idea and they were like yeah let's that that sounds good we'll pay you to do that and then you know like four four or five years later no probably about four years later i'm I'm still doing it that's awesome so it's been it's opened a lot of doors it's great you've had you have obviously a very long comedy career whether it was writing acting stand-up etc how much has like the day-to-day life of being a comic changed in what is like the most rampant exhausting cancel culture society that we now live in well, for me, the daily life doesn't change uh, because I haven't been, I haven't been attacked. I guess uh, had I been attacked, you know, or if worse, if you know, if I did something terrible and was deserving of being in trouble, like uh, Chris D'Elia or someone like that, you know, my my daily life would have changed drastically as as his has changed. Sure, um, you know. Um, I meant more like the the concept of like going through making jokes and trying to make people laugh and like the hyper PC culture bullshit that we're kind of like, yeah. Uh, Well, for me, uh, creating material for the stand-up stage, uh, it's impacted it slightly. Uh, I still... I still get the ideas that I get. I mean, what I think is funny and the ideas that come to me, you know, I can't change that. They come when they come. I don't even know where it comes from. It's like, you know, where does, where does like inspiration come from? You, you, you know, it's something that a lot of artists in, in every, uh, in every form of art have tried to figure out. And, you know, we just don't know. So I, I still get the ideas. There's still funny stuff comes to me. Uh, the, the, t- the thing that's changed is, I will sometimes not attempt the idea on stage because I think it might be troublesome. Yeah. So now that's not half of my idea. I mean, that's maybe that's one in 20. I'll be like, no, 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 I can't even, I'm not even going to try that because it'll be, <laughs> Too it'll be a disaster. Yeah. 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 And, and even if I have the confidence that I could make it work, it would take so much effort and so much stage time and like basically begging an audience to to give me permission to talk about a certain subject like for instance let's say i'm a i'm a i'm a they don't say straight white male what do they say cis white male i'm a cis white male (laughs) yeah uh and so for me to get up and talk about the gay lifestyle let's say i should be able to because i've had experiences with the gay lifestyle i've never been gay um I I lived with uh, a gay individual for seven years, and I mean, just being a, someone who lives in major cities in the U.S., you're just gonna have gay friends and gay experiences. Of like, course. And you know, uh, of course, we should all be adults, and we should all be able to talk about things that have affected us in our lives, and we should all be allowed to express our opinions on certain things, whether it's a. a you know, a lifestyle or a, a certain subgroup in the culture, especially if you've had experience or that, that those things have affected you. If it's affected you, why can't you talk about it? Uh, or so, make jokes about it. 
or make jokes about it. Now, I'm not even say make jokes about. It. I can't even speak of such things on stage. As soon as I mention it, uh, this is just a generalization. But as soon as I mention uh, certain subjects, the audience just uh, cuts off. They just go tone deaf. They're mm. just not going to hear it. I couldn't. They're not even going to let me see if it's funny. See if I've made it funny. That's not. I don't even get the chance. So the, the game is not even played, and I'm not even allowed to pick up a bat and go up to the plate. Sure. So. Uh, whether I'm, you know, and, and, and I have a lot of experiences. I can make anything funny. And so, you know, could I hit a triple with it? Of course I could. But they're not really going to, in many instances, I won't be given the chance to. This, uh, so I would say that this is one way that it's affected. But not, it's not like, you know, like I said, it's not all the ideas. It's just a few here and there that, that I come up with. And, and I, I continuously are getting ideas. So for me, I just go off. Oh, Fuck it, I'd love to talk about that, but I'm just going to go on to the next thing and not even play that game right now yeah. and, and, and have success with uh, other, other things. So as a comedian, and I would say like your, I don't know the makeup of like your income, right? But like the, like if you're a comedian, I would imagine most people say like, oh, I stand up, I could do, I go to two shows a night, like you were saying in New York or you're in LA now. I'm a, a stand up comedian. You also have this wildly successful podcast. Um, you mentioned that they had reached out to you directly to kind of host the show. Um, kind of talked me through that process of how, you know, stand up comedian Jonesy decided that, hey, I want to you know, take this like leap into what was probably four years ago, not a wildly popular space. It's obviously grown monumentally in the last four mm-hmm. years, hence why we're here today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so kind of talk me through that process. Uh, well, just the, there was a new platform that was creating audio content. It was a podcasting platform and they, they were looking for professional content producers and, you know, they had reached out to me and, said, would you be interested in hosting a daily show on here that's about like entertainment news or one of the, they gave me a bunch of categories. They were all basically daily news shows. And the only one I was interested in was the sports one. So I was like, I'll do the sports one. Uh, I, I can talk about sports every day. What I can't talk about is like the lifestyle of the fucking Kardashians and all that <laughs> shit. I just don't, I could care less. I could, I could not care less about, yeah. uh, you know, entertainment news is so fucking dull you know just covering the life of a bunch of vapid assholes uh so and i don't know anything about tech or finance and those these are the other categories i'm not no clue so i go i like to do sports and the guy was like oh sorry that's actually the one i'm gonna do so that guy that that was that guy was the the executive producer he was gonna do the sports show i'm like yeah you asshole of course (laughs) good for you okay so then I, i i pitched an idea and I said, you know, I said, what about what if I do daily weird, strange news? Because I didn't see that on the list. I go, this is a new concept. What, are you down with it? And he liked the idea of a comedian covering weird news. I sent him a, I recorded an episode, what I thought it might be. Sent him over a sample, and he just he liked it. And so they hired me to do that, and they paid me uh, monthly to do this, this, uh, you know, this daily weird news show. And then that was for about eight months, I'd say. And then at, at the end of that, that uh, eight-month pay period, they, they decided they're not going to pay anybody anymore. And they were like, sorry, but you can still have your show if you want to keep doing it. And by then I had a, a following and a, some fans of it. And uh, I thought, well, all right, maybe I, I'll keep it going. Maybe I can figure out a way to make money. Uh, and I, I, since then I have, of course, not a lot, but a, a bit. Mm-hmm. And and just have grown the fan base and it's just been it's been a, it was a great decision 
to keep it going. And that's funny because now you see like oh like every comedian seems to have a podcast. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, and I was kind of fortunate enough to have an opportunity fall on my lap and then kept it kept it going. Um, and now, you know, my show is taken in. It's crazy. It's taken in like people take in CNN and NPR. Like they listen to it daily. Like they listen to their regular mainstream news. Mm-hmm. It's like bizarre. So it's it's not one of these like oh I. I drop one episode a month podcast, which is extremely, that seems to be the most popular timing of a podcast, like one a month or something. And it's two hours long or maybe one a week. Maybe you get those, but like, no man, I'm like, I'm, I'm being broadcast in people's homes and ears five days a week, which is, which is like powerful and crazy. And I never thought that it would ever, ever like be like that. I, I mean, I've done a lot of things and none of them have ever received the kind of, uh, I don't know. Adulation, thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah, that this podcast was, which is also strange. And it also teaches you a lesson. Like, you really don't know where success comes from. You know, there's no there's no roadmap for yeah, it. And, totally. and when it. You know, we could argue in other industries, sure, sure. But in the entertainment industry, like, you just don't, you don't know where it's coming from, man. Everybody has a different story. Um, and so, you know, a lot of my friends have made it just with stand-up that that took them so much i have other friends who did went the writing path i have other friends who went the acting path and of course i've tried all of those things and I've, I've you know i've spent effort and time in each area and even in music and, and whatnot um but for it to come out of left field like this podcast was just like very unexpected and you know i'm glad i stuck with it for sure for sure because i get a lot out of it yeah that's awesome you mentioned being a big sports fan so i imagine like growing up as a kid you're big into sports did you have like yeah. creative outlets as like a kid like growing up in high school and shit or like was it just music um let me see uh i started kind of screwing around with a acoustic guitar in high school uh and then as soon as i learned chords i was like i could play all my favorite stuff so i was like playing as soon as i could play like i don't know like sublime songs i was just sitting at home fucking just playing sublime songs <laughs> strangely enough right uh yeah as soon as i could start playing i would i would just do that was fun for me you know but i of course i never did it in front of everybody back then i was it just was kind of for my own edification at, at home and uh and, and yeah, i wouldn't really i wouldn't really i didn't, I didn't think i was that good mm-hmm. um, uh, that was pretty that was a creative outlet for me kind of like to write a bit i would write kind of like short stories here and there i I thought i thought i might have a knack for writing which is true and i I do um for that for sure uh you scratch that itch with your podcast daily now right like as you're putting the concept for the episodes together well believe it or not all of it is improv so i just find the stories and i completely improv it i i get the stories um i do a lot of research finding stories and then i you know i get them ready for the show and I might have like a bin of like 30 stories from the week maybe probably more how many are from uh, Florida on like any given moment like 16 so (laughs) dude I get so much Florida news sent to me by (laughs) listeners because well on Fridays I only do Florida news it's Florida Friday so and everyone loves that's their favorite episode so I'm constantly getting stories from Florida sent to me anyways (laughs) but yeah I mean there's so there's too many you can't even get through them um, there's just so much crazy news coming out of Florida, but yeah, I just pulled up. I, I just try and find the most fascinating titles 
and then I just then I'll click on it and I'll see if there's enough text written about it to actually do a do a segment because sometimes it'll just, might, maybe it might not even be text it might be a video of a story or or it might just be pictures it might in other words it might be a story that's predominantly visual and in those cases I I can't do it because the podcast is an audio format but what I will do is I'll sometimes I'll put those ones. Uh, especially videos, videos, weird news that was video format. Like you had to watch it because it was crazy. Like, I don't know, some dude, like the dude that, that freaked out at the airport in Florida a couple of days ago. That's a pretty wild video. So I'll just put that in the Patreon. I have a Patreon. Oh, nice. Weird AF News. And I got, I don't know, maybe like a 80 to 100 patrons in there. And, and I'll put that stuff in there for them. Be like, hey, this is, this wasn't, I wanted to do this on the show, but I didn't because it was, it's, it's better for your eyes <laughs> and I'll stick it in there. But yeah, I'll just I'll pull it up and I'll make sure there's enough text to like it looks like I could go through it because I want the stories to be at least three minutes, and then I'll then I'll just start reading it and now uh, you know as I record and it's it's as though the audience is sort of discovering it with me because I'm reacting as I go, and you know and and I'll pause the recording here and there too as I kind of gather my thoughts and and then restart re-recording so on some level they are a little bit edited in real time but. The majority of it is not. It's like it's pretty much improv. I, I, I express my opinion or I try to give a if there's an anecdote from my own life that relates to what's going on. I'll I'll I'll, I'll tell the little story or whatever and just kind of give my my take on it and try to make it funny. If it's not, if my take isn't funny, you know, usually the stories themselves are pretty weird and funny anyways. So you usually get some entertainment out of it. And I just try to be some window dressing to what's already like weird and, and absurd. Yeah, I right. think. <laughs> also, also we learn some stuff. You know, we learn. Like today, I published a story about a uh, like a social low-income housing in Germany that was established. This particular village, it's like a medieval village. It was established in 1521, and the rent has remained the same from 1521, and it's now got 87 and like families are living there still there's 87 buildings in the complex um and they're paying 39 what is the cents uh, it's a dollar 30 a year <laughs> for rent a fucking year wow is that incredible I, and by the way there's so there's a waiting list to get into this medieval village and live there for that kind of you're not gonna believe this there's only 80 people on the waiting list like it's i'm, I'm applying tomorrow like <laughs> I got have electricity Germany, or is, no? <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got everything that you need. It, it, it's like a quaint little village, and uh, I mean that strikes me as like Midsommar, and there's only eighty people waiting there because there's just massive turnover when they have to hop off the cliff every seventieth <laughs> birthday or whatever. That's fucking nuts. I think, and I should have said this in the podcast because now it's funny. It's funny. I'll think of like funny things I could have said already, but I already recorded it and released it. But uh, the. What you get with a dollar thirty, though, is they're actually unfortunately they still all have the the black plague, which is part of the village still. So you got to just deal with that. Yeah, they've got um, COVID one, not nineteen. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. They got COVID one. There's a lot of uh, rats running around. Um, yeah. So like, my point is, you you learn something too. Like that's pretty fascinating, right? That, that's why. Who the hell knew that a place kept the same like rent control? Talk about rent control, like from fifteen twenty one. That's like the the most. I mean, you get a place uh, in New just, York City, twelve hundred bucks rent control. You're like a millionaire. You're like, yeah, you you think crushing. so? Crushing. <laughs> in, in in two years, when it's seventeen hundred, you're like, wow, I did a good thing. Yeah. Like, never mind hanging on to it for five hundred years. <laughs> like, what the fuck? That's fucking fascinating. Crazy. That yeah, is. yeah, yeah. So, and for me, that's I like that. I like it's kind of like cool. It's a weird. Yeah. It's a weird news. I, like I, I I'm I'm all about like strange, weird, novel things. I think. How I, much? I don't know, you get to a certain. 
I mean, you, you, just you like do to mix it up. You do five of these a week, so like yeah. you said, you have like 30, 40 stories in the kitty, and then you like record them as you go. Just got to be like a lot of pressure behind filming that, you know, recording that many podcasts in a week. Like, is it just like yeah, you can I mean, bang them out all in one shot, and you got the week's worth, and then you kind of cycle through? Like, that's just a lot. That's no, a lot. Yeah. Uh, if I'm traveling or there was a point during uh, COVID pandemic uh, at its peak where I had to, I had to actually get a day job to survive. And so I was working a regular job. So I had to, I had to jump through hoops to record. Uh, so I would record the previous night. I would record the episode for that day and then release it. Cause I released them all at about two or three o'clock Pacific time each day. So I would have to record the night before Sometimes I'd have to record uh, a couple um, if I knew I really wasn't going to have time to devote to it. And, of course, if I travel, uh, that's rough, too. Like, I just went to Boston and to visit family, and I had to record. There was one day I had to record three episodes in one day because I knew I was going to be traveling. I wasn't going to be able to do it. So, And I, I try my best. I missed. I was gone for two weeks. I missed one day. I didn't do an episode for one day. Uh, but for the most part, I'm able to work it out, work it out. And, uh, and I, you know, I do my best. I, they don't take long. Mm -hmm. So, cause like I said, they're improv, so I can whip them out an episode in under an hour. Most of the time, sometimes, sometimes they're done in a half hour. If I'm very, if I'm on and everything goes well and I, and I don't have to re-record a segment because I didn't like how I did it. Uh, so sometimes I can pump them out as fast as that. Yeah. I uh, had a episode of my podcast a couple of weeks ago with uh, Eric Gartel. He's like a voiceover actor, TikTok personality. He's got like 4 million TikTok followers. And I was talking to him about like the pressure that he must feel to like still be constantly funny on an application where he has got like such a huge following. Now, I'm a photographer, podcaster, blah, blah, blah. Very small following on all these social media. So I feel zero pressure whatsoever to make good art or make good podcasts or anything because I know that the overall amount of people that I'm touching is not a lot. But I had asked him how much pressure he feels to be funny, to be, you know, come up with the next thing for his following of 4 million plus people. And I have the same question for you. Obviously, you've got a podcast, which is wildly successful. So how much pressure do you feel to like keep growing it, making it bigger, making it funnier, finding more absurd shit to talk about? Like, how does that like facilitate into like your daily workflow? Uh, I don't uh, I'll just say I'll say this about it, because, of course, there's a pressure. But my pressure is different, uh, different than I think what you would think. I don't feel the pressure to be super funny on there. Uh, I, I don't because the stories themselves are bizarre. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to, like I said, be just window dressing to the story. Uh, I don't want to make it all about me. Uh, so, in fact, I think if it's too much me, it can get a little annoying. And, and then, of course, the stories now they're running too long. I want to keep the podcast under 20 minutes each episode if possible shorter like 15 is the sweet spot if i could do that uh, the pressure for me is to not get bored that's my pressure because i've covered so you know i'm doing three stories a day so like i'm hitting you know 1100 episodes here so do the math i'm getting you know i'm starting to see repeat stories repeat behaviors <laughs> and i'm getting i get a little bored 
of it. Like, how many times am I going to cover a story of a woman cutting off the guy's penis? I mean, I've covered four already probably in four years. <laughs> and they keep coming because the women can't stop cutting off dicks. I don't know why, but this is just the behavior Lorraine that's Bobby ingrained in everyone. women. Where they go, I mean, they're just cutting off cocks. Right? So it just doesn't stop. But I can't record this. I can't do this story again. I just cannot. Yeah. Just, and it doesn't interest me, and it's so dull. So you need people so, to get weirder. Yeah, do I'm weirder actually shit. digging for weird. Like that story today that about the the rental rent control from 15. I was so pumped about that. It was so unlike any weird story I had done. I, I like I just was so into that. So a story like that, really, I was into it. And I re- I recorded that segment with uh, I would I would say gusto for yeah. sure. Uh, so, so yeah, after you've seen as much weird news as I have, and you've covered so much bizarre news, it just gets to a point where you really got to go bizarre to be bizarre to me. So my challenge is to how do I keep how do I maintain the excitement for the stuff I've already kind of seen before, and I don't really think is that weird, yet I'm still going to cover it because uh, I can't keep get. It's harder to find it's harder to find weirder and weirder and weirder <laughs> stuff. I mean, you know, they of course there's a few, but I'm I got to do three stories a day, man. So I got to like. I gotta grab low-hanging fruit sometimes, and sometimes it's just not so crazy to me. And I gotta pretend I gotta like it ma- is. Yeah, I gotta pretend like it. I gotta get myself amped up. Caffeine helps for sure. Caffeine helps, or take a bong rip um, <laughs> before I do the story. That helps too, uh, to get me in a in a weirder mood, I guess, or get me amped for the for the content. So that's kind of my challenge. Like. And I sometimes will think to myself, can I keep doing this for five more years, like 10 years? I was just going to ask you that, yeah. It doesn't seem possible. I don't, it just seemed weird if I was still doing this, you know, in in six years. I would, first of all, it would mean that, uh, you know, I didn't make it uh, (laughs) (laughs) as an actor, comedian, right? uh, But like if this, if, if the podcast, of course, blows up, like, something extremely popular like i have a modest following right now i don't have some kind of crazy you know i don't know i can't even say joe rogan i don't even have like a burt kreischer podcast following i just don't Mm -hmm. it's not even i don't even sniff those kinds of numbers um but there are enough numbers where you can make money and possibly make a living at it Mm -hmm. like i'm on the cusp of doing that uh but if it was if it was loads of money like how would i be able to stop so you I wouldn't think about that to. too. Yeah, I probably wouldn't be able to. But if I'm making loads of money, now we're talking like I could maybe I could hire a team. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, maybe the show gets amped up where I have writers and other people delivering news as well. Maybe I branch out like that, and I'm just paying people that to come on board. That will bring a renewed excitement to it that I that I might have lost. Uh, you know, so that could be possible as well. So maybe. You know, so where will it go? I I, I don't know, um, but I'm 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 enjoying it now. I'm still five days a week. You would think I would get completely sick of it. Not really. Some days, of course, I don't want to. I say the weed but, helps. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff helps. And finding stories that are like that get yeah. me excited. I mean, that's insane. Like that story. Yeah, that rent story today got me so amped, man. I I just I just I just loved it. I did a story a few weeks ago too about a guy who hired. A guy out in L.A. who hired a uh, hired an assassin off Craigslist to murder a peacock in the neighborhood that was terrorizing the neighborhood. Like I man, saw this. I had never. I saw I'd that. Never seen. I never even heard of 
that that like I never thought to do that. I would never think that this would actually happen in real life. So stories like that like still get me and grab me, and they make me want to record. I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to talk about this. This is exciting. And so, luckily, every week there's still a couple of those that just get me crazy, you, you know. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's for now pretty good, pretty good. I still get that childlike wonder. Nice. I uh, I feel like being a comedian is like the kind of job and and career path that everyone in and their mother says, oh, I could fuck. I could be a fucking comedian. I could be funny like that guy. And that's like why everyone sure. gets heckled and shit. How irritating is that when like any person thinks that they could do the thing that you literally spend hundreds, if not thousands of hours of your life putting the time and effort into going up and, you know, honing your craft? Well, to me, it's not irritating uh, very much unless someone's being just completely belligerent about it, which usually doesn't happen uh, to me. No one's ever like, yeah, like being a dick, like, yeah, I could do that. I could do it better than you. And blah. like, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah. I don't get that. And of course, if you see me on stage, you'll be like, oh, no, I can't do that. Uh, so if you've seen me perform, you'll know, like, you know what, you're, you're not doing, you're not, you're just not. Um, um, I, I don't, I don't blame people because of all the arts, that's the one that looks the easiest. Oh, I'm just talking. Oh, I've talked. I talk all day. I talk to people. I've actually talked to a crowd before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've done a best, I did a best man speech. And I want to say I got like two or three laughs in there back in 2011. And, uh, we got it on video. I, I think I know how to tell a joke. Everybody thinks everybody has told stories to friends, made to them laugh, whoever. Everyone has made people laugh. Oftentimes, every every group of friends has like a clown, like the funniest guy. You know? So there's a lot of funny people who are dubbed the funniest person in a crew, um, in their little world. So, like, imagine how many people there are like that. Yeah, millions. So of course, <laughs> of there's millions. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, so it makes total sense that people think they can do that. And then when you watch it, it's not like watching someone play the cello. It's like you're, you're just you're just like, oh, you're talking on a microphone. Yeah, I can do that. So like everybody, I, I get it. I get it. Why people think they can do that. So it doesn't annoy me. Um, I like that. I, I don't blame people for. for and I got to say, when I was a kid, I don't know, I was exposed to some stand up comedy, not live, but you know, listening to it on D on like CDs and stuff, like listening to a Chris Rock CD or something. And I thought I could do it too. I'm like, oh, he's just, he's telling stories. He's talking, he's giving his opinion. He's airing his grievances and, oh, and he's making fun of white people. I'm like, I can make fun of white people. This is easy. <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. I just, you, you kind of, I think we all, not we all, but a good portion of people listen to stand up and, and think to themselves or watch stand up and think to themselves, yeah, I could probably do that. But on the flip side, you know what I get more of is people saying, wow, that must be the hardest thing in the world. I really respect what you do. I get more of that. I'm so that. surprised to hear that. I feel yeah, like yeah, every I get time. Yeah, way more of that. Wow, that's awesome. I feel like every yeah. time I go to a comedy show, it like, and I say every time I've been to like 10 in my entire life. So at least one moment in every 10 of those shows, the comedian had to stop to be like, bro, shut the fuck up. Like I'm trying oh. to tell a joke here. And like some guys, like, well, ah, that's it's New York. I think that's why. But yeah. yeah. But also that's a different thing going on here. Is that is someone heckling because they think that they can do it better than you? Or are they heckling because they're drunk? Mm. Are they heckling because they have no social skills <laughs> or are they heckling because they're like, uh, you know, they're, 
21 years old and can't be off their phone for an hour and a half? Or are they, are they someone who's really insecure and needs to be the focal point of attention and can't handle being in a room with someone else gets all the attention? Like these are all the factors that would lead to a heckle. Um, and most of the time it's booze related too. So we don't know what's going on there. Um, but yeah, that's a whole other thing. I, I think uh, just as I said, for me, it's most of the time it's people showing like really showing respect. And, you know, there's a reason why there's a, what's that, what's that saying? It's like, uh, it's a joke of some sort of riddle or whatever. It's like public speaking is the biggest fear among most people, which means at a funeral, you'd rather be in the coffin than doing the eulogy, <laughs> yeah. you know? So there's a reason why someone wrote that, mm. that little saying, because I think in general, people are frightened to get up in front of strangers and, and speak. How do you combat I mean, that? How do you like, what, what gives you the confidence to be able to be like, ah, fuck it. I've done, I mean, not now because you've been doing it for so long, but like initially. Oh, oh initially, uh, I had a stage, I had stage time experience already from singing in bands. And so I, I was, I was already comfortable up there for me. That was my case. I was fortunate enough to already know how to be on a microphone before. Mm -hmm. Granted that wasn't alone. I had a crew with me, which sort of is nice because then the responsibilities dispersed. But, uh, when you're alone, it's a different ball game. Everything falls on your shoulders, you know, the writing, the performing, um, you even got to be your own bouncer. Um, just crazy. <laughs> uh, so for me, I, I guess I, I was comfortable. Uh, then of course, you know, you run into the uh, most new comics run into the situation where you, you know, you're just bombing, you're bombing over and over again. And so then it's like, how do you, how do you, how do you keep like being on stage, getting up on stage, not, not difficult. What was difficult. And I think a lot of comics experience this in the first few years is, uh, how do you just keep going on with your comedy career when you just can't seem to make it, the jokes land like you haven't figured out how to have a a start to finish successful performance and now you're in year five and you're like i just can't get last for 10 minutes like i can't fucking do it yeah i can get last for five minutes but i'd like to do 10 minutes or 15 or 20 i'd like to get paid like and you just go years with with like without being able to do that a lot of us you know I, I certainly went a long time without even really being funny like 10 years i just wasn't really very good i was average maybe even a little below average um and and so i don't know i was talking to a comic last night at the comedy club out here who's new and a, a guy who's been doing it probably i don't know four years and he asked me like how do you what how long did it take you to get funny and i was like man it's like 10 years probably which doesn't help him very much, but I made it, you know, I, I made the point where, but I wasn't, I just wasn't, I couldn't do it. I, I just couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out how to do it. Uh, you know, I knew I was a funny person. I've always been a funny person. Uh, and I had the energy for it and the personality for it, but I just couldn't put it get, all together. I couldn't write a joke. I just couldn't write jokes. And what I thought were jokes, they just were, it just wouldn't work out. I was like, I don't understand why no one's laughing. It just, I did that for a long, long time. And, you know, I see this guy struggling, but getting better, getting better. And I, I just hope he doesn't walk away with. <laughs> I, I was hoping to give him like uh, the towel of comedy. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like be like, hey, dude, I, it took me 10 years. Like, don't give up. Like, I was hoping to do that. Like, I think that's the, the issue. Like, how do you. How do you just not give up? Because it's like a fucked up lifestyle. Like you're going to hang out in these dark, drippy basements until 2 a.m. 
you know, to, five to, minutes. Do, yeah. to do five minutes in front of like seven dudes on their cell phone, like, uh, and then, you know, you eat a slice of pizza and then get acid reflux as you try to go to sleep. Like, this is like, you know, this was my years in New York City trying to figure it out. And, and that's just a hard lifestyle on, on anybody. Like, if you think you could just do stand-up comedy and then go out one night a week and then go home and get your nice, nice sleep the rest of the time, you're in for a rude awakening, man, because you got to be out, I recommend, every night. At least if you're not even having a show, you're doing an open mic or you're hanging out somewhere. Like, I didn't have a show last night. I was hanging out at a comedy club. You have to be around the scene, you know, and, and so it's it's a tough lifestyle, especially if you work like a day job at the same time because you got to pay the bills until you make it. And if that takes 10 years, well, how the fuck do you figure that out? Can you go 10 years with very little sleep and poor diet? You know, who's got time for a relationship with the gym? These become a factor. You have to give up things to, to if you want to dedicate yourself to getting good at stand-up comedy. These are things you have to learn to do without. Uh, and and so how do you keep going despite all that? That's the challenge. So I how think. did you? Uh, I just... You believed? I don't know. I, I, I just like it so much. Like I just enjoy it. I just enjoy getting up and telling stories and being on the mic and, sh- and sharing my thoughts and opinions. I don't know. It's like the Irish in me. <laughs> I think I'm, you know, the Irish are just the best storytellers in the world, and they feel compelled to tell stories. And they, no one does it better than an Irishman. And I, I, I think that, you know, I'm Italian as well. But I think it's the Irish in me that that makes me feel compelled to sp- tell stories and to speak in front of people and to try to be clever and get laughs. And uh, I think there's something like there's something like that. I don't know what else it could be. I mean, that's an insane work ethic. I mean, oh, because you're short. (laughs) I I mean, it's an incredible, incredible work ethic to do something for 10 years and like you you said, be more or less bad at it, right? Not be able to facilitate the full performance, get people laughing for the full duration and like feel like you're growing in what the thing is that you're trying to do. That's like, people probably like, you're crazy. What the fuck are you doing? Well, you know, I don't know. It's like, was was Vincent Van Gogh crazy? Yeah, he cut his ear off. Yeah. He kept, uh, you know, that's 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 a different. Well, is he crazy for doing that? I don't know. Was that related to his epilepsy? Like or we don't syphilis, know, right? Yeah. Or syphilis, or did he drink too fucking much and have syphilis? Or like, <laughs> yeah. What what I think is even crazier than him cutting his ear off is like, how did the dude just keep going when no one enjoyed his shit? Mm-hmm. They fucking hated it. The only person who loved his stuff was his brother, and he had all the support from his brother. But the general public was like, this is not paintings. What the fuck is this? You know, (laughs) this doesn't even look like a starry night. These do not look like lilies. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing? You're you're bastardizing the the art of painting here, which he was because it was a whole new approach to painting that no one had done. And the guy just keeps doing it and doing it and starving himself to do it. You know, he's living in a shack with like no food. Like you read, read his letters like the guy's destitute to keep doing that. And no one likes it, you know, and like, how do you do that? You know, I, I look at that and go, that's that's crazy. So, yeah, man, um, not that I'm some kind of Vincent Van Gogh, but like there's I guess that what I'm saying is there are examples of people who against all odds loved clearly loved what he did mm-hmm. and 
um, you know, and I, I just liked it too. I just kind of, it's fun to me. It was a thrill. Sometimes, you know, it wasn't like I'd get up. I'm not shitty. Like I get up, no laughs at all for 10 minutes. You know, it would be like up and down. You know, I get some people, some people would enjoy it. That's enough to make, to have a good time and make me want to share my, my thoughts again. You know, so there was, there was enough little carrots to keep me going. Of course, of course. Um, but I just kind of, it's so, it's very, it's just fun. It's just a fun, it's fun to, uh, I don't know. I, I like. I've always been a prankster. I've always liked to get reactions from people. I've always liked to say things that are a little uh, provocative. And in that art form, man, you get to do that. You get to say provocative things and get an immediate response. Mm-hmm. So it's very. It's it's fun. I think it's very fun. I would agree. Shit, man. You could you could talk about something that happened yesterday in the news. And get some kind of provocative response from it. See what happens. Like, that's really dope. I just love that. I agree. I mean, it's like an incredibly unique career, right? You get to do something different. You get to try out new shit all the time. Um, I also imagine it's like an incredibly trying career because, like, you can directly measure like you relative to other people in your field. And I guess it's like that. But like, you know, a person, a person teaching sixth grade social studies is not like comparing themselves to someone else who's teaching sixth grade social studies but like in a, a comedic career in a photographer career like you're you could directly measure like oh i've got ten thousand instagram followers or oh i've got oh, yeah. a million views on this video um sure i uh i think that's what makes it both like an incredibly exciting time to be a creative and also like an incredibly stressful period of time because you can directly know right away whether something you did is great or terrible yeah, and of course, great has to be in quotes because we don't, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're just going to measure great art by the number of likes and follows that someone has, I think you might, you, you might get into trouble there and, oh, and for be sure. a little bit misguided because certainly, you know, the, the, what's, what's loved by the mainstream is oftentimes very low-hanging fruit. It's very oftentimes the least novel artwork in that area. Mm-hmm. Like Doug Stanhope is not, a mainstream comic Mm -hmm. but doug stanhope does things in his act that are that push boundaries 100 percent. michael blackson is a comic who has a hell of a lot more followers and fans than doug stanhope he makes a lot more money i'd assume as well michael blackson's act is uh for the most part in my opinion uh, n- not as smart as Doug Stanhope, not as boundary pushing. It's not, it's a, uh, I'm not trying to denigrate it at all, but f- for me, not, it doesn't really do a thing for me. But there obviously is, an, is, a, is a whole fan base that loves that kind of stuff. And so, so if you had to... Same with Gabriel, Gabriel Iglesias, you know. Um, th- th- this whole fat guy jokes thing, I mean, this stuff's been... Uh, done and done and know. done. If you yeah, had to... Yeah, to me, it's not the most creative stuff, but yet... So very successful. So, yeah, he's measuring himself. If he's going to measure himself by his by that, then yes, of course, very successful. But is he pushing boundaries and really making you know with his art? I would say not really. So he's not doing the kind of stuff that Dave Chappelle's doing. uh, One of my favorites. Would you rather be like wildly financially successful or considered by your peers to be the funniest person they know? Oh, I would rather rather be considered by my peers to be the funniest person I know. I don't. I don't need all that money. That doesn't really bring you happiness, anyways. I like that. That's such a. That's a A plus answer for sure. 
I mean, I would, I, I would wish assume that the that's not the, the norm. Yeah. Was, <laughs> I would. Re- I wish the rest of the world would would agree because then we'd have some pretty cool artwork out there, and and people would be really pushing boundaries and, and not giving a fuck about the pressures of uh, the Twitter mob and stuff like that. But because there's the pressure, you might lose your gig or your career might be stunted because you you know you 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 did some unsavory act in a sketch back in 2013 it, you know um people care about that stuff and they're playing it close to the vest i think in, on some of them especially in stand-up comedy or in comedy in in general i wish people didn't give a fuck and just would freely express themselves well it used to be that just, way you used to be able to make jokes I, I, about people no matter what you know people places things ethnicities whatever you used to be able to go about your craft as a comedian making jokes about things that is not touching on real sure. life and be funny and now it's like oh well you know xyz made a black joke or an asian joke or a whatever joke and it's not funny anymore, but it's like through the context of what you're doing for a living, you're supposed to push boundaries, you're supposed to make people laugh. And it's like almost impossible for people to be able to like not be canceled anymore. Someone has, I mean, the guy who fucking just got the Jeopardy hosting job got fired one day later because of something he said 20 years ago. And I don't know what it was and I don't know what he said. And maybe it was, you know, maybe he did kill a hooker or something. I, I don't know what the instance of what it was. But it's like, it's just crazy. It's like people are, should be able to grow. You should be able to like maybe make mistakes and be like, oh, fuck, you know, in 2004, I said X, Y, Z. That was probably not right. But it's 2021 now. I'm a middle-aged man. I know better than when I was 20. And it's like, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, that's because we, we have an infantile culture. You know, no one's acting like an adult. And so this is what you get. You get, you know, you get people who are unforgiving and uh, they cling on the wrong thing they don't uh you know they share they jump on the words but not the intention behind them Mm -hmm. and uh you know this is just cultural immaturity and it's a damn shame uh and i I, you know i I hope that it's which is just kind of a growing phase that we'll get through that we'll get through this and then eventually we can all act like reasonable human beings but that's a fingers crossed (laughs) it's tough yeah i mean we live in a very immature culture uh there's a lack of education the the american population is quite stupid in general and uh and so it's it's going to be an uphill battle Mm. it's going to be an uphill battle and uh but i you know luckily i always have a podcast and that's international so (laughs) and there's enough stupid people to give you (laughs) give you endless amounts of (laughs) <laughs> I will often like say things that are unacceptable on my podcast and then I'll just yell, go on, cancel me, cancel me. I'm recording in a closet. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It doesn't get any lower than what I'm doing now. I'm recording in a closet. Cancel me. <laughs> Fucking try it, please. I could use the publicity. <laughs> yeah, you'll, go, you'll, you'll blow up overnight because of somebody in Florida who fucked an alligator and you talked about it and somehow that was your fault. <laughs> <laughs> You know, one of the things I'm doing on my podcast that I think people find refreshing is that I'm calling out this stupidity and I'm not I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not ashamed to say, wow, you're a dumbass lady in the story, because I think people um, people are even afraid to do that. Like, you'll never get that in mainstream news. No, they'll cover a story. They'll cover a story about someone who tried to feed an alligator and got their their face bit off. 
And never at one point will they be like, wow, that was superiorly <laughs> stupid. What a fucking dumbass. No, they'll come at it from the it. tragic angle. They'll be like, in, an, oh. in the tragic news, yeah. a father of three was mauled yeah. to death. It's sure, like, sure, sure. What? A hundred percent. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> a father forgot to take his ADHD medication and then tried to clean the alligator's snout. Uh, this is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You know, the, there's a whole lack of personal responsibility that we always shift the responsibility in the culture so that it's not your fault. Well, I come the opposite way with these stories. I'm like, you're an you're an idiot. I you love should that. know better. That's, and, it's very, and I think people do find that a little refreshing for sure, because it's so it's just so uncouth now. And, um, you know, to tell somebody that they're full of shit. I love that. No one. Nobody. You know, it's like this whole relativism that that's seeped into the culture where it's like everyone's supposed to like everything's supposed to be on the same playing field so if you're a follower of mormonism or joel austin or you you're a flat earther we're not supposed to say that you're a fucking idiot <laughs> we're supposed to pretend we're supposed to have the same conversation like at a party if someone steps in and is like yeah and because the earth's flat there's an ice wall at the end and so I'm very concerned that we're going to have another Titanic situation. But like none of no one at the party will be like, "Wow, you're fucking stupid." Like, what? Get away. Like, you're an idiot. We just live in a place now where that's just not socially acceptable because yeah. of manners or something. But like I so I that. think my podcast brings a little refreshing um flavor to that as well because I'm not a I don't give a fuck. I, I'll 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 be the first to tell you you're a moron. I like that. Um, one of the main things that I like to pull out of these conversations is like these are also like ultimately fundamentally end up being like these like mini therapy sessions for me. So like I've had awesome conversations with comedians and photographers and I had a priest on last week and I just think it's really interesting to kind of drill into people and like what like inspires them in life. And for you, you've got a job that kind of directly like articulates off of like other people, right? So like I would imagine you find a lot of people funny and then their like success and or their routines can inspire you in some manner. So talk to me about like what through, you know, being a comedian inspires you to be funny, inspires you to be, you know, keep going up five days a week. Well, it just has to do with what I mentioned earlier. There's something in me that um, I feel very compelled to uh, tell stories to share myself, share my ideas and my opinions with others. I just feel, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like I need that. Hmm. Uh, I, I love it. It's a thrill for me. Uh, I've always felt like people should listen to me anyways. I was like, you know, even like around the family and stuff. I'm like, well, no, hear what I have to say. I'm like that too, but uh, is it just because we're born in, like, are you are you a December person? Like, I feel like every ex-girlfriend I've ever had told me I'm that way because I'm a Sagittarius or some shit. <laughs> yeah, you can't put any credence in any of this shit. <laughs> no, I was born in April. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, I just feel like, I just always felt like uh, I was a good speaker and that I had ideas worthy enough to be heard by a group of people and I always thought I had good stories or and I was I got laughs you know in my own personal circles always always was getting laughs at laughs at school when I would say some shit out loud and that always was happening I, it's just always fun for me I just always thought like ah that's what really keeps me I mean I don't have any sort of like deep thing for you like yeah, you know cool. like a priest is probably trying to save the world right now save the priest is trying to get everybody to um not kill each other you know 
do their last rites so that they get up into a place called heaven that doesn't fucking exist. <laughs> uh, uh, so, like, the priest has this bigger mission, although misguided, you know. Uh, we actually had a big... we had a wildly refreshing conversation because I come at it from like growing up Roman Catholic and then like having a very unrelatable uh, grasp on religion. Like I just it like you mentioned Joel Osteen. I can't possibly imagine listening to someone speak about a higher power when he's flying on a forty million dollar private jet. Go fuck yeah. yourself. So it, it was refreshing for him to be like, yeah, that's disingenuous. He's not actually. It was a nice conversation, but a topic for another day um i like to wrap up every single one of my podcasts asking just some super rapid fire questions some are easy some are cool little heavy. yeah i'm down uh what's I your like favorite that. favorite movie my favorite movie is the network which is a, a movie from the 70s nice uh, directed by Sidney lumet yeah interesting what's your favorite book uh, my favorite book is probably crime and punishment <laughs> seriously yeah yeah dead yeah. serious crime and punishment yeah wow. dostoevsky I like that. All 9,000 like pages. <laughs> yeah. No, that one's not that bad. It's the Brothers Karamazov that's about 1,000 okay. pages. Crime and Punishment is probably uh, around 300, okay. a little less. All right, fair enough. Yeah. What's your favorite food? Okay, favorite food. Uh, right now, soba. <laughs> I've been eating a lot of soba noodles. I don't even know what that <laughs> like is. Almost every day. They're a buckwheat noodle. Uh, they're Japanese they're delicious, and you dip them in a dipping sauce when you eat them. Oh, so fucking good, man. Uh, I love them. Interesting. All, all over it. I'll give that a shot. Um, yeah, you give it a shot. It's good. Find a soba noodle house. There's, there's going to be some, if not in Jersey, definitely in New York City. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great, great. I'm really big into good. trying things and then being like, you know, an hour later, shitting my brains out, like, why the fuck did I do that? But I, I do you try shit a lot. Your brains. <laughs> yeah, you won't shit your brains with this. It's very, very It's easy on the digestive system. It's just buckwheat noodles. It's just nice. very, you know. Good. That's good. Um, you've already answered this question, but do you believe in an afterlife? Well, an afterlife? Yeah. I don't believe in an afterlife. A yeah. life is a earthbound phenomenon. You know, you get a life when you're here. Beyond do you believe here, in something after? Beyond, beyond here is a timeless situation. So there's no life. There's no ego. And then we all, we all come from this place, whatever's operating behind the scenes. Um, it's been called many things. Uh, I call it the feminine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's because I'm trying to get my dick sucked. <laughs> that's that's a good one. I'm I'm gonna write that one down. <laughs> yeah, try it. <laughs> What's your biggest dream? My biggest dream. Wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, I you know my dream was to play major league baseball. That's I had to give that up a long long time ago. Uh, when you stopped growing in eighth grade, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When I didn't get over, you know, I mean, I was like a senior in high school. I was five, probably five one, 105 pounds or some shit. Like, just tiny. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, yeah, but I always wanted to be a professional athlete. It just didn't work out. What's my dream? I guess my dream is to have a career like Louis C.K. If Louis C.K. didn't have any hands... <laughs> Stop jerking off on people. <laughs> yeah, if I just had his career, but he'd had no like, but without hands, so that I never got in trouble for touching myself in front of strangers, which is a very bizarre thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I don't relate to it at all, but I love his stand-up and I loved his TV show very much. 
it's he's one of my favorite comedians as far as stand-up goes. Yes. And even now, he's got a special he just put out on YouTube. It's phenomenal. He's still got it. Yeah. Well, he'll he's a hilarious a guy. He just needs to stop such a, jerking off on right. people. Yeah. He'll always have a stand-up career because he's a master at it. But I also really was inspired and loved his TV show. His uh, the one that was on um, that was on uh, uh, FX. Mm-hmm. That that show. Louis, I, right? I, I, man, I just love that show so much, man. Very, I forget. I forget he's been his an inspirational guy. I forget his me. wife's name in the show. She was Marcy in Californication. Short woman, black cropped hair, vulgar as fuck. You know what I'm talking about? The, the, well, he, he his wife in there was a black woman. Oh, what am I? I'm thinking about a but, different show then. But his girlfriend in there, the girl that he hung out with, was a, was a very short girl with black. It was also a, a she's a comedy writer, and she was on something. She had the raspy voice. Yeah, uh, Californication. Um, she, yeah, she's super. She's, super she's hysterical. Known. Yeah. Yeah, she's super funny. She had her own show too. Uh, I forget what it was like. I don't know. She played like a, maybe a fashion designer or some shit. I, I watched the first episode. I wasn't into it. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's his. That she plays his his BFF in there that he's trying to sleep with. But yeah. like, it doesn't really. Yeah. 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 She's great. But his wife is, his wife is actually a black woman in there, but his I kids haven't are seen white. It in so many years, which is why. And like, I heard him an interview with him about that. And he's like, he's like, I just wanted to, to fucking just, just flip everything on its head. Like flip your classic. He's just turning everything on its head. His cla- your classic sitcom. And everything about that show is different. I the think way it's shot. The, the way it's performed and, and you know he has a black woman playing his wife but and they have two white girl children like clearly this but he just said fuck it I'm gonna do whatever I want I loved it he had no but like he had no budget they like no budget so he had complete creative control the budget was like 350k per episode which is just pocket change he had to pull money out of his own personal wealth to finish episodes because they didn't give him enough to do certain things like he had a helicopter in one of them and they didn't have enough money to pay for it himself like that show is so boundary pushing. I fucking love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I, I used to watch it. Yeah. And then it's like you look back and it's like, Jesus Christ, man, fucking put your dick in your pants. <laughs> so foolish, man. It's just so fucking foolish. What's uh, so foolish. What's the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? And what is your best piece of advice? The best piece of advice someone ever gave me was a, a comedian in Boston just told me to go to New York when I was considering go to New York. Uh, I, I was list. I was. I, I had asked a lot of people, and then this guy said, "Don't listen to anybody. Do you want to go?" I go, "Yeah." He goes, "Just go, just go. Don't just do it." And that was a, that was a great piece of advice because I just it was a scary thing to do, and him telling me that gave me confidence because I very much respected him. That's very, awesome. very, very well known, big time Boston comedian that I totally respected him. He's kind of like a god back there, and so I was like, when he said that, I, I just that just gave me. Just gave me some, um, just it, it legitimized sort of the decision for me. The best advice I I've given, uh, I've given a lot of advice. I guess uh, for artists, I I suppose it's um, you know it's it's important to remember that uh, art can be more than um, just you uh, fucking around with your ego, you know, uh, art has the power to transform a culture. You know, we're not, as just regular citizens, we're not really given, we're not given a lot of power. You know, we have the illusion that we can vote and make decisions in the political sphere, but that really is an illusion at the end of the day because, you know, let's just take our presidential election for 
example. It's usually the choice between one rich lying bastard and another rich lying bastard, <laughs> neither of which really give a fuck about us. Yeah. So that's an illusion right away that we have political input. Uh, we certainly can't. We're certainly not allowed to touch like the 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 world finance pedal. You know, we we really don't really have sway there. You know, really the only the only pedal that we have to play with is the art pedal, and uh, and that's a powerful tool that can transform the hearts and minds of men. And so I think it's important as an artist to remember that that's where art can go. So uh, art doesn't have to just be about cat videos, you know. Like you can you can really you can really uh, expose things and in inspire with art on a huge huge level um you know so i'm not talking about songs about a thong i'm talking about <laughs> you know <laughs> using art as a powerful tool for cultural transformation it's really the only thing we have at our disposal it's free yeah i like that man that's a it's a super deep answer i like that and so yeah i i would anyone who's an artist i would implore you to uh push your art Push your art to the a place where it can uh, challenge the status quo and, and, and challenge mainstream ideas and challenge cultural illusions that people need help breaking through and inspire people to, uh, you know, inspire people just in general. And, and it gives hope, you know, that there's uh, that change can come and change can happen. I like and that. It's very, very deep. Yeah, yeah but I, yeah. I think it's it's important. I think it's appropriate. I think it's something we need to hear. My last question is, what's one recommendation that you have for everyone listening to you? Today can be something you've consumed lately, whether it's a book, a podcast, a movie, a TV show, just something that you've consumed lately that you really, really enjoyed. Oh, okay. What did I, what did I watch completely through the other day, the other night? Uh, what was it? I couldn't put it down. There was a doc series for sure. Ah, oh, fuck, I can't remember. Um... Damn it! What was that? See, you know, we're all in, we're in a position now where you just watch so much on Netflix and that you can't even remember what the fuck it was or the name of it. Like that's that's a problem. That's an absolute problem. We're just swimming in content. Yeah. Oof, Jesus, nothing's inspiring. Uh, what the hell was that? All right, I'll just say something else. And I I I did what remember that I watched the documentary of DB Cooper, which is a oh sweet story. Yeah, yeah, it's on. So that documentary I think was on Showtime, and. It's not that old, but I'm going to say what's in maybe a year or two, mm -hmm. uh, but it's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's an awesome story Wild about a guy story. who hijacked a plane, demanded parachutes and cash, jumped out the plane, was never seen from again. So there's a lot of legends surrounding D.B. Cooper. Did he live? Did he get away with the money? Did he die on the fall? You know, no one ever recovered the body. They recovered some of the cash. So it's a big, huge mystery. A lot of people over the years have confessed to being D.B. Cooper, and um, you know, clearly that's not correct because... You know, so many people have done it. It's just the whole thing is a very, it's a very fascinating phenomenon yeah. that happened. I believe in the, was it the sixties? I can't remember. Seventies? I don't yeah, remember. Early seventies, late sixties. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, something Good like shit. that. But yeah, the DB Cooper documentary. I can't remember the name of it, but it's the most recent one. Okay. Yeah, because there's been a few. Mine, uh, mine would be clickbait on Netflix. I watched the first two episodes today. Holy shit, it got me good. Uh, it's got the guy from Entourage in it and some other people. It's comedy? No, it's like heavy like if this video that we have of this guy who clearly looks like beat up gets five million views he'll end up dead and that's like the wow. premise of the show it's fucked up but it's good jonesy my man 
I uh, greatly appreciate your time today. I really enjoyed our chat. I'm so thankful for it and uh, just really, really enjoyed this. This was awesome. So thank you so much. Hey, you're welcome. Um, it's my pleasure. I hope your uh, audience finds it fascinating and entertaining as well. I'm sorry I wasn't as funny as I um, as you probably would have expected from a comedian. I, I laughed <laughs> I think plenty. People are expecting. <laughs> I think I brought something else to the show today, but maybe a little yeah, huxpa, some, some some higher thinking, maybe. <laughs> I dig it. Yes, I did. I did drop a tab of acid before the episode for sure. Nice, uh, but yeah, so I hope work everyone it finds it interesting. And you know, if you if you like uh, news. If you want to give my, my podcast a shot, it's uh, Weird AF News. You can find it on any podcast player or YouTube. And I will uh, link it in the show notes below. My man, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, and my, my Instagram is at Funny Jones as well. I always pimp that out. People want to follow me, see where I'm performing. I will tag too. it all, my friend. I greatly, oh, greatly... tag me. I'm going to tag it all. <laughs> Thanks, Appreciate buddy. That. Thanks, John. <laughs>